Set us on fire, Lord, please. I just pray the Lord would set us on fire here at Christian Embassy. Praise the Lord. I'm ready to see a great revival breakout. I'm ready to see some of those that have been on the, the fringes looking in uh, with questions and maybe with a negative attitude to see the power of God manifested in His church and them run in and fall on the altar and give their lives to Jesus. I'm ready to see the ones writing in the Lamb's Book of Life to be writing so, so busy they're running out of ink and having to get another ink pen because uh, souls being saved. I'm just ready to see the kingdom of God expand in every way. Thank God you're here tonight and we're expanding as we study God's word and, and you're better positioned in your understanding and your revelation and walking in faith to uh, advance God's kingdom in and through your life. But let me tell you what, we need some babies in the nursery. And when I mean that, I mean some brand new born again Christians. We need, if we're going to see the future of God's kingdom continue here, we got to get people born again. Amen. I love the evangelistic and outreach team and what they're doing, but we all need to become fishers of men. We all, and you can't be ashamed of the gospel. The Bible says, you know, that the gospel is the power unto salvation. Just sharing that good news has power. You got to know that it's not in your charisma. It's not in how wonderful you make the presentation if you just simply share the good news because the gospel has the power of God. It has the power of salvation in it that will bring those out of darkness into light. People need Jesus and we and let me tell you what the kingdom of God needs us to share Jesus with them. Just a simple love story that God so loved the world. Amen. Tell them your testimony of how God saved you and what, how God has turned your life around. Let me tell you what, people are hurting and people are desperate and people are looking and they're just wanting to see something genuine, something real. And so you don't have to have your theological degree. You don't have to be ordained. You just need to take your mandate of, of God and, and go and be fishers of men to go and share the gospel with the whole world, beginning with your neighbor, the one near you, starting right here. Amen. So let's just continue to be encouraged to do that. I'm praying right now as we close out 2018 and we prepare for 2019, I'm praying for more souls to be saved and more baptisms to be recorded than we've ever had in the history of this church. I'm just praying for revival uh, and, and a reformation and a restoration. I'm just saying, God, do whatever you want to do and whatever through us. We want to be used by you to do the kingdom work. Amen? Will you make yourself available to the Lord for that? Let's just pray right now. Holy Spirit, I give myself to you. Just tell him, Holy Spirit, I give myself to you. I want my life to matter. I want my life to count for the kingdom. Lord, you've been so good to me. Help me share that goodness with others. Lord, I pray you would open doors for me right now. You would open doors and I would give me boldness, Lord God, and courage to step through those doors and to share the good news with others, that they might hear the greatest message ever, ever, ever been told of your great love. Lord, we just pray for souls to be born into your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm telling you, if we serious with the Lord on that, you're going to see the results of it. Amen. Well, we've been looking on Wednesday nights now for several weeks in this uh, series as we've been studying about uh, prosperity by God's design. I really feel like God is uh, setting us up and preparing us for an amazing year we're about to go into. And we need to know how not only 
to uh, operate in the prosperity that God has given to us, but that we have the foundation to sustain it, that it, it is the blessing to us, and rather than how a lot of finances without the foundation of God's Word crushes people rather than elevates people. And we want the foundation of God's Word in doing this, so we don't want to look at prosperity as the world looks at it. We want to look at prosperity by God's design. And, you know, as I said last Wednesday night, as a teacher, it is so hard to keep going to another level when you don't know if everybody got the first uh, layers of foundation and review is necessary. So if you would put on your seatbelts and let's do a quick review real speedily. I'm going to I'm probably going to break the speed limit here, but uh, I hope that's OK. So looking at Second uh, Corinthians eight, and nine, such a important scripture for us to understand the revelation of that. Uh, it, this is part of the atonement of Jesus Christ. This is part of him going to the cross. This is part of him shedding his blood. This is a part of him hanging on a tree, bodily hanging on a tree, so that uh, he could take on a curse. Part of the curse was, is poverty, to take on the curse, even the curse of poverty, uh, so for our sakes, for our sakes, so that we, through his poverty, him taking on the curse of poverty, we might become rich. And the, how that happens is Galatians 3 and 13, where he says... Uh, you know, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by coming a curse for us, uh, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So here he comes, not just to die any death. You couldn't kill him. You couldn't have killed him any way you tried. And they did try, but you could not kill the Son of God. He said, nobody's taken my life, but I'll lay it down. If I can lay it down, I'll take it up again. And so he laid his life down on a tree so that he could fulfill this uh, mandate that uh, he had in his heart for us so that he could come and take the curse off of us. There was a written in the law of Deuteronomy that a curse comes on he who hangs on the tree. So Jesus went to the cross, hung on a cross, not death by stoning, not death by any other means, but hanging on the cross so that it could be this divine exchange. And you know, in Deuteronomy 28 and 48, he tells us part of the curse is to be hungry and thirsty and naked and in one of all things. And Jesus took care of all of that on the cross, hanging on a tree to take the curse off of us. Hallelujah. And why did he do that? He did that, the reason being, so that the rest of that Galatians 3 uh, verses 13 and 14 go on to say, so that the blessing might come on us. Say, I received the blessing. Oh, that was pretty weak. Pastor, Pastor Rodica, you didn't do a good job getting them woke up here tonight. Come on, we got the heat on, you thawed out, okay? Okay, why did he do it? To re so we could receive the blessing. Come on, declare, I received the blessing. Amen, I received the blessing, praise God. Now this blessing is not uh, of the worldly standard. It is not, uh, comes under a spirit of greed, not at all. Proverbs 28 and 19, we see that uh, a hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies ends up in poverty. So we're not coming under just sitting back and saying, oh, the blessing of God's going to do everything for me. We have to roll up our sleeves and participate in the plan of God that he has for us. And one of the things is he wants us to be salt and light in the earth. So we need to get out of our houses, get out of our uh, uh, sofas and recliners and get a job and work 
even if it's a volunteer work, but we need to be out so that as we're working, we are able to make uh, connections and relationships and share the gospel because that's part of the plan of God. It's not us to just be blessed, to be fat and sassy. He wants us to be blessed that we can be a blessing. So he goes on in Proverbs 13 and 11, and he says it this way. He says in Proverbs 13 and 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. So God says, my plan is not for you to get rich quick. That is not the plan at all. So you're running after money. You're lusting after money. You're just, that's all you're, you're thinking about. He said, no. He says uh, that you gotta, you, you'll, you'll be tempted to do dishonest things when you're doing that. But look at it building little by little that, that the, the resources that come into your life are just a part of life. It's not everything about life. It's just a part of life. And there needs to be a discipline about that. So in Proverbs 28 and 20, he says to us in the scripture here that the trust worthy person will get a rich reward but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble it's like God really is against this get rich quick mentality he goes on in Proverbs uh, 6 uh, that was 28 22 look at the next verse there greedy people try to get rich quick but don't realize they're headed for poverty there's a program that comes on American greed and and there's sometimes I'll watch it just to see the mindset behind how people are so vulnerable or gullible and you, every one of them, this American greed, and they always want to focus on the guy or the girl that, that set up the pyramid scheme or whatever as being the one greedy. But you know what? Those folks that gave in to that were also operating in a spirit of greed. And, and the, so the title of the program is Proper American Greed because they were wanting to give $100 and get 1000 back. And anybody with any common sense knows that's not how it works. But when you're told that, you know you're participating in something that's not right. And uh, so then they gave $500 and they would get $5,000 back. So then they go and they empty their savings and their retirement and they'll give $500,000 and they lose it all. And then all of a sudden, the guy that set the pyramid scheme up, he's the bad guy. But I'm like, no, 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 I'm preaching to the TV. I'm talking, no, 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 that, that was greed too. That was greed as well. Now, the guy who set up the pyramid schemes going to jail and the person who gave them the, all of their life savings has got to go back to work, okay? So they both getting punished, but there was greed working in both ways. And God warns against that. Then he tells us that what we should make priority is Matthew 6, He tells us we should make first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God's not against you having stuff. The stuff, as long as the stuff doesn't have you. So we cannot come under the spirit of greed. Proverbs 10 and 22 says, the blessing of the Lord will make one rich. I want you to receive the blessing. You just said, I received the blessing. I want you to understand the blessing. I want you to live your life in the revelation of the blessing in such a way that that uh, ashar, that richness, that wealth, that, that uh, uh, increase, that prosperity that God has comes into your life, and, uh, but it comes with no sorrow. So we're not, the spirit of greed will bring increase, but it has sorrow. And uh, so we don't want that. So we, wanna, we want the blessing of the Lord to bring the increase because that blessing comes without sorrow. And then you'll be like the psalmist said in Psalms 1 and 3. He said, then you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither and whatever he does, whatever he does, whatever he does. Some people say, oh, I'm, I'm working for the wrong company. I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong career path. I'm in, you know, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the blessing overrides all of that stuff. Did you know that? 
He said, oh man, if I got in the tech industry, I'm, I'm in the education industry, if I got in the tech industry, or I'm in the service industry, if I got in the tech industry, I could get ahead. No, what you need to be focused on rather than running after some industry is running after the Lord and saying, God, I want to do it your way and, and I'm going to walk with this blessing flowing through me that whatever I do, whatever I put my hand to shall prosper, not because of me, but the blessing that is on me. Some of you need to release that blessing on where you work right now. Release that blessing on the, the, uh, where you're involved right now and let the blessing begin to turn things around for you. You gotta believe God at his word. And God says that there's a power working beyond you. It's not just your skill set. It's not just your experience. It's not just what you can add. God says, I can add so much more if you by faith will let me. I'm telling you, promotion, I just feel it in my spirit. Promotion is coming to somebody because you're getting this revelation and you're not going to go and, and you're not going to try and work for it and, and politic for it, but you're just going to release the blessing. You're going to release the blessing of God where you're at. And you're going to get opportunities of promotion that you didn't even put in for. Hallelujah. I just feel the Spirit of the Lord saying that right now. So I say it to whoever will receive it, and it's for you in Jesus' name. Praise God. Because you've got to stay focused on serving Him, putting Him first. You cannot serve two masters, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 and 24. You'll hate one and be devoted to the other and love Him or despise one and, and, and be devoted to the other. You can't serve God and mammon. And He uses this word mammon, which is this, this uh, demonic spirit that comes on resources, comes on money. It's not money, but it's this spirit that comes on resources and says, if you get me, I'll provide security for you. I'll give you a good retirement. I'll give you good health. I'll give you popularity. I'll give you, you know, every uh, desire that you've ever dreamed for. All that mammon speaks and wants you to put your allegiance to mammon. And let me tell you what, mammon is, is, is Satan. He will, he will promise you everything and deliver you nothing. He'll give you a little bait on the hook so that you'll go nibble on the hook. But when he gets the hook, he locks you in. He's got you bound. He's got you broke. He's got you busted and destroyed. He's got you addicted to some alcohol or drug. He's got you in a relationship that's destroying your life. It's all just a bait on the hook. So it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, but the love of money. You've got to understand that because money and mammon are not equal. There's this huge contrast between the two. Mammon is, is taking, it's selfish, it's prideful, it's deceitful. But, but, but uh, the blessing of the Lord gives is generous, is humble, and, and, and it, it knows it has God's assistance. And when you give, knowing you got God's assistance, and God says give, and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, now your focus is on giving rather than getting because you've connected with the plan of God. You've got God's assistance. You've got God looking out for you because you've connected and you're participating in His flow. That is so very, very important. So we must understand this huge contrast. And don't forget, if you're going to fall in love with mammon, he comes with, he comes with a crowd. And two of his best friends that he walks around with, a spirit of poverty and a spirit of pride. Now, a spirit of, pro, of poverty and a spirit of pride, they, they have different languages. But they're, they're, let me tell you what, they still are connected with the same. If you look at the two of them and then compare them to gratitude, pride says I deserve more and poverty says I should feel guilty for everything I do have. But gratitude says, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because we know everything comes from the Lord anyway. Amen. And Deuteronomy 8 and 18 he says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he 
who gives you power to get well. If you could get that right there, that you are not getting ahead on your smarts, on your own, do you have to participate? Yes, you do. But when you participate by faith, and that is the key, by faith, in using your gifts and talents for the Lord in the advancement of His kingdom and doing it God's way, there is a power to get wealth. There's a power to get wealthy that is released to you. There, it is who God is. God, God takes a desert and makes it a, makes it a tropical forest. God, God can take nothing and make anything. And that power that he has is who he is. He, just, he demonstrates himself uh, to help everything he's involved in get ahead. He's got power to get you wealthy. And that, it's not something you have to beg him for. It's not something you have to uh, uh, plead and plead and, and, and stand in line. And maybe it's rationed out and there's a lottery for it. No. He says, by faith, you can tap into the power that I've already, I've, it's already flowing. Pastor Radika was making mention earlier uh, to, and I've said this in sermons before, you know, it, you know, there's electricity in your house, but until you put a demand on it and turn the switch on or plug the blender in, let me tell you what, you're not going to see the manifest of it. You've got to put a demand on this power to get wealth. And, say, and it's not that God make me wealthy, no. It's like, God, what should I do to tap into and operate by faith to this power of wealth. I'm going to show you how to put a demand on it tonight. I'm going to give you some simple steps here in just a few minutes on how to put a demand on the power to get wealthy God's way. And he has a purpose for you to be wealthy. He wants every one of you wealthy. If you've got a theological notion that he wants you poor and he wants you begging, I'm telling you that is not a word from the Lord. That is not God. God says he wants to establish his covenant in this world today, a covenant that he swore to our fathers. He wants to establish that covenant and he wants to give you the resources of more than enough so that he can establish that covenant. It is not about your house and it's not about your car. You think, oh, that's my whole, my house is my biggest investment. That's the biggest thing. God says, I'll give you houses and land. He even pluralized it. I'll give you houses and land. He said, that's not the big stuff. The big stuff is my kingdom. My kingdom. Seek first my kingdom. Let's do it that way. Because I want to establish my covenant in this world. Oh, I want to be a covenant keeper. I'm not going to say that. I am a covenant keeper. And I want to live every day of my life keeping covenant with God and saying, God, if you need somebody to show this world an establishment of your covenant, you can let the lightning hit this lightning uh, rod. I will be a receptor of it because I'm, I'm going to walk in it. And the cool thing is we don't have to wait for lightning to strike because the power has already been released. Jesus took care of it on the cross. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. It took away Deuteronomy 28 and 48. It's a done deal. There's power there. You just got to put a demand on it. Got to put a demand on it. And if you put a demand on it, you will see this power to get well be, being released in your life. But it has to flow through your life that is set to the standards of God's word. And that's why I keep doing this review so that you're not coming under a spirit of greed. You don't want the power to get well coming on a foundation of a spirit of greed because it'll destroy you rather than uh, uh, bless you. Amen. So we want the blessing of the Lord without sorrow. Last Wednesday night, we were looking at the heart test, and we went through four different uh, tests that you could do on that. If you didn't get it, please go back and listen to it. It's on our website at myembassy.org, uh, and it's on our Facebook page, The Christian Embassy, as well, so that we can uh, get an understanding of that. Uh, we were looking at the law of reciprocity last Wednesday night as well, 
And what a powerful, powerful principle God has given us where he says that if we uh, give, it, 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 it activates this law. We're participating in this power to get well when we give. When we give, uh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, it'll be coming back unto us. But we needed to make sure we had that heart test so that we're not giving out of the wrong motive because God said motivation means everything. And uh, he even said in the scriptures there in James 4 and 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So there's that spirit of greed. It's all about me. It's all about my pleasures, about what I want. When it's all about advancing the kingdom of God, God says, I'm going to take care of houses, clothes, land, food, all that. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. But that's not what I want you to be. I don't want that to be the one focus that you're on. I want you to know that by faith as you advance my kingdom, I'm going to bless you with houses and land. Some of you right now don't need to receive that. You need houses. You, you, some of you may not even own a house. And I'm speaking over you right now. You're not only going to own your house, you're going to own houses. And you're going to own land as well. I'm just declaring over you right now the Word of God. He's going to give you houses. He's going to give you land. You're going to have more clothes than you need. You're going to have more food than you can eat because you have sought first the kingdom of God and His way. So when you give, you're not giving in order to get it back and just get, you know, make yourself look like, you know, whatever. You are giving because you want to participate and put a demand on this law of reciprocity that good measure pressed down, shaken together. It's coming back. It's going to overflow so that you can establish the covenant of God here on this earth. Oh, how exciting it is to be able to live in this day and age. So we're picking up tonight now. Uh, that was a quick review. You can take your seatbelt off. We won't go quite as fast now. But uh, in, in Galatians 3 and 13, we go back to those because we want to look at that verse 14. Uh, the reason he took the curse off of us was so that the blessing could come on us. And I want us to focus on the blessing. I want you to really be able to understand the blessing that you'll be able to comprehend and in such a way that you can communicate with yourself and you can communicate with others the blessing that comes to us in and through the atonement of Jesus Christ, that we can appropriate, take hold of, we can, we can participate in our own life, we can take hold of by faith the, of the, this part of the blessing that Jesus wants to get on us, even the Gentiles. Hallelujah. So uh, Deuteronomy 28 would probably be the best place to go and see the details of the blessing. And I've just got the message uh, Bible here. Just It's such a, a 21st century uh, communicating style that I believe would really help us uh, embrace the blessing with more understanding. He says, if you listen obedient to the voice of the Lord your God and heartily obey all of his commandments that I command you today, uh, that God your God will place you on high, high above all the nations of the world. There's promotion. There's promotion. All these blessings will come down on you. I'm telling you, said, let them come. They will come down on you and spread out beyond you because you have responded to the voice of God, your covenant. Now remember, we have a better covenant in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So that that better covenant we have 
incorporates what Jesus did in Galatians 3.13 by taking the curse of the law off of us. Because if you went on in Deuteronomy and read on down after verse 14 and following, you're going to see a lot of curses. If you do this and if you don't do this and if you do this and if you don't do that, you're going to have canker sores, you're going to have cancer, you're going to have this, you're going to have limbs falling off, you're going to have your eyes withering up in your head. I mean, it just gets ugly. I mean, it gets really, really ugly. Uh, thank God Jesus came and took the curse of the law off of us by hanging on the tree so that he could get these blessings on you. Hallelujah. So he goes on in verse 3 and he says, God, God's blessings inside, this is the blessings here. All these blessings have come down on you. These are your blessings. God's blessing inside the city. Anybody live in the city limits? Right? You got to participate here now. Anybody, you're ashamed you live in the city limits? I'm, I mean, any city limits. Or you don't live in the city limits. Where do you live? <laughs> okay, so bless inside the city. So you live inside the city limits. You can say this blessing's for me. But you say, well, I live out in the country. Well, God says, well, the blessings is in the country as well. These blessings are not limited by jurisdiction or by what city or not you live in or county. These, he's, he's got, these blessings will go on to your children. How many of you receive that right now? Say, my children need the blessings of the Lord. They need the favor of the Lord. They need the wisdom of the Lord. They need the righteousness of God. They need the redemptive power of God to bring them out of some things that maybe they're in. Hallelujah. Call it on it right now. Receive it. This blessing is on your children, on the crops of your land and the young of your livestock and the calves of your, her or your herds and, and the lambs of your flock. So whatever business, these are farmers here, whatever your business is, that, that, that blessing of the Lord goes on to it. He says, God blesses, blessings is on your basket and your bread bowl. Hallelujah. So there's your, your pantry right now. Your pantry has blessings. Your freezer has blessings. Your refrigerator has blessings. You never have to worry. You're never going hungry. If you're walking, if you're walking in covenant with God, you're never going to go hungry. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't you ever worry one day of your life about not having enough food. God's blessing will make sure your basket, your bread bowl. And, is, and he says, God's blessings is in your coming in. So how many of you went out of the house today and when you get home from church tonight, you'll be going in. Just know you're going into the blessing of the Lord. But some of you may be watching right now and say, I hadn't been out of the house today. Well, let me tell you what. He says, just go out to the mailbox. Just go out right now. Just walk out. If you're at home right now, just walk out. Hurry back though, because we're going to keep preaching and just say, I'm walking out because whether I'm coming in or I'm coming out, I have the blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. God will defeat your enemy who attack you. So you ain't got to worry about somebody talking about you. You don't have to worry about somebody trying to take your job. You don't have to worry about somebody trying to get over on you. God says, I'll take care of your enemy. How many of you are glad of that? And the greatest enemy we have is Satan and his demonic horde. There's no demon in hell. There's no demon on earth. There's no spirit of darkness. There's no wickedness, uh, spiritual uh, uh, authorities that you have to be afraid of. God says, I'm defeating your enemy. If they come to attack you, they'll come in one road and they'll leave out seven roads. Hallelujah. They'll be blazing new trails to get away from you. Some people say, Pastor, you're pretty bold against the devil. I tell people all the time, I hate the devil. I'm doing everything I can to tear down the gates of hell and to expose every rottenness that he is involved in uh, and to release every captive that he's take behind the gate. They say, you don't talk like that. Why? You know, I don't know why I shouldn't. Because if God's blessing, and this blessing says he's going to take care of my enemy. And if they try to come against me, they got to blaze seven roads getting away not because of how great I am, but because of how great God is. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Then he goes on, he says, God will order a blessing. Look at there. He will order a blessing on your barns, on your uh, Roth IRA, on your traditional IRA, on your 401k, or on your 403k. Let me tell you, on your investments, on your property, real estate that you've invested in. Let me tell you what, you maybe got treasures, treasury notes, you may have, I'm telling you, wherever it's in the barn, God, not you, but God is ordering a blessing on it. He's blessed, so stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about it. He's ordering a blessing on your barns and your workplaces, which means, and it's plural, your workplaces. Man, I like to keep my hands working for the Lord because the blessing is ordered on my workplaces. I don't want to be idle. I don't want to have my hands sitting in my pocket. I want to have my hands involved in, in the work of this world because God has ordered a blessing on my workplaces. He'll bless you in the land that God, in the land that God your God is giving you. Hallelujah. I'm not, I took that not only for the land that I live in on this earth, but God has given me land. He's going to bless me he says right there, he's going to bless you in the land that your God is giving you. And I said, if the Israelites could get, the, uh, get land, uh, uh, houses they didn't build and vineyards they didn't plant, if he could get the, a land that flowed with milk and honey given to them, and I have a better covenant in Christ Jesus, and part of the blessing that Jesus is trying to get on me, he's hanging on a cross to get this blessing on me, uh, let me tell you what, is to bless me in the land that he's given me. So, so several, so some years back, I started declaring that. I said, God, you're going to give me land. I just thank you for it. And that land, I'm, when I get on it, I'm going to be blessed. Praise God. And then, you know, my wife, God uses her in mighty ways. The Holy Ghost knows her, how to talk to her. She just shows me one day, she says, I, I found us some land. You want to go look at it? And I, I think our, one of our vehicles was in the shop and we had a rental. And, uh, and I said, oh, yeah, we got a rental. Let's run some miles on this thing. Where is it at? Come on, let's go. So we took the kids to school. This poor Townsend even was driving. We took the kids to school and dropped them off, and we went out looking. And we went to this land, and we drove up on it, and I couldn't believe it. There was pasture land. There was fences and gates. Then it went into a nice uh, rock road that had property and big trees, and you could see quarter of a mile through the trees. There was no underbrush. It was just like a beautiful forest. And I was like, wow. And the road went on back and, and then it turns back into the woods. And down, we're like deep down in the woods and there's, there's like a river there. And we're like, wow, it's on the water. And we're riding up along the river there and come around, come, makes a big circle and comes back out. We're like, wow, I love it. I love it. I said, call them, call them, call them, call them. And uh, this verse, I, I was declaring this verse that God was going to bless me and I already got blessed just riding through this land. I wanted to teach my children how to hunt and to shoot and that kind of stuff, things I grew up with and didn't have any place, tried to get on hunting clubs and they're, they drink so much in hunting clubs, they're like, we don't want no preacher here. So I was like, I didn't have any place. So, so I was like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to receive this land that you said you're going to bless me. In. And then the Lord speaks to my wife and says, here, hook up with this real estate agent in North Carolina there. Next thing I know, we're driving on it. And I'm like, man, this little car goes through all these roads and stuff and comes out. And you know what? The Lord blessed it to us in such a way. Oh, my goodness. It was just a miracle. Uh, the people were in such a, they were in such a situation. They were ready to let it go because uh, their health, they just couldn't take. They just couldn't handle 
the land anymore and they just needed to get it out of their, they, I think they were wealthy and they just wanted it off of their plate. They blessed us in such a way I wouldn't tell you about it because I might make you drip with a little envy and we don't want to do that. But let me tell you what, oh my goodness, we got 26 acres now on the water. We've taken deer off of there and eaten that in our living, in our dining room, praise God. And I'm going to tell you the other animals we've taken off of there and eaten because you might go gross, but nonetheless, we've had a good time fishing out there and all praise the Lord. But here he says, I'll give you the land that I give you. So somebody just needs to receive that. Maybe you don't want land, but if you want some land, just say, Lord, I received the land. I received the land right now and the blessing that comes with it. God will form you as a people holy to him just as he promised you. If you keep the commandments of God, your God, and live the way he has shown you, and all the peoples on the earth will see you living under the name of God and hold you in respectful awe. Hallelujah. And then God will lavish you with good things. Somebody needs that right now? God will lavish you with good things. God will lavish you with good things. You know, it's a principle of God's word that when his word is spoken, then it is heard and received and received by faith. It becomes alive in that person that receives it. So that's why sometimes I just have to stop. I just feel the spirit of the Lord says, say it again. God will lavish you with good things. Hallelujah. Children from your womb, offspring from your animals, and crops from your land, the land that God promised your ancestors that he would give you, God will throw open the doors of his sky vaults. Hallelujah. He will throw open the doors of his sky vaults, praise God, and pour rain on your land on schedule and bless the work you take in hand. You will lend to many nations and you yourselves won't be able to, you won't have to take out a loan, hallelujah, because of the blessing of the Lord. God will make you the head and not the tail. You've heard me say that a million times, haven't you? God will make you the head and not the tail. You'll always be the top dog, <laughs> never the bottom dog. He'll make you the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. That's its uh, translation here. And as you obediently listen to the diligent uh, and diligently keep the command of God, your God, that I am commanding you today, don't swerve an inch. God said, don't swerve what? An inch. Don't swerve what? An inch. He wants you to stay right on track. Don't swerve an inch to the right or to the left from the words that I command you today by going off following and worshiping other gods. Hallelujah. I'm just here to reemphasize to you the, uh, the, the, the covenant of God that he wants you to have in that covenant financial freedom. He wants you to have financial freedom. I say it's time for the body of Christ to have real financial freedom and peace. Amen. I say it's time. But unfortunately, too many only hope for it because they're still bound in that, this area of their life. And they're kind of like uh, Haggai 1 and 6, as the prophet said. They kind of have that, that, that frustration. I don't know if you've ever felt this financial frustration. You have sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no, no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put in a bag with holes in it. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. You've been sowing and sowing and you're reaping little. You've been eating, but you're never satisfied. You've been putting clothes on and the shelter is always still something that needs to be done. And then you earn your wages, but it just your money disappears so quickly. It's like your money bag has holes in it. Well, I'm here to tell you we can change that. 
We can change that right now. We don't have to wait for another month or another six months. It can change within the next few minutes. If you right now will take hold of this teaching and activate it in your life, you will see a turnaround begin tonight because I believe God has called me to give you some simple steps. They're profound, but they're simple steps to experiencing your financial freedom. And uh, because I, f- I find there's a few pressure points in life that, that seem to cause m- the most frustration, uh, unlike finances. Finances seems to hit us really, really hard. And uh, so we're going to look at that and, uh, you know, and being reminded that we're in this warfare. There's a war going on. Jesus tells us in John 10 and 10, don't you drop guard. Don't you forget. For the thief only comes but to ki- steal, kill, and destroy. He'll want to steal your position. He'll want to steal your land. He'll want to steal your health. He'll want to steal your income. He's a thief. That's all he is. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Somebody say amen. 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 And it is my heart's desire to help preach you into God's abundance, to teach you into God's abundance, and for you to continue celebrating our El Shaddai. Do you know his name is El Shaddai? He said, that's my name. I am the almighty, self-sufficient God of more than enough. He said, you're not going to say I am El, just get me by. That is not my name. Some people serve El, just get me by. And I'm telling you what, that is not God's name. He said, I am El Shaddai. I am the God of more than enough, and I don't want you to forget it. Hallelujah. So if the world has a shortage, or your company has a shortage, or your savings account may have a shortage, or your checkbook may have a shortage, let me tell you what, God never has a shortage. He never has a shortage. And when we can get him in our checkbook, you're going to see that God El Shaddai will bring forth more than enough in your checkbook as well. Hallelujah. Because David said, I was young and I am now old and I've never, never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Let me tell you what, we've got to remember that no matter what uh, 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 part of the scale of life we're on, we've got to know God's faithful. His covenant is real. And by faith, we can tap into the resources that He has for us at any time. So, I want to say that there are no shortcuts. We're not looking at shortcuts uh, because uh, we don't need one. When you do it God's way, you don't need a shortcut. You don't need a get-rich-quick scheme when you do it God's way. So I want us to look at some earlier verses from in Haggai, uh, Haggai uh, 1 and 5. Before, he, before God tells the people their problem, he tells them how to avoid it here in verse 5. He said, now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. He's about ready to tell them how to fix this issue in their life. But he says, first, you've got to stop. This isn't just a quick fix. You've got to consider your ways. And what God was saying to him is your ways, your ways is what got you where you're at. It's your ways. He even repeats it in verse 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I think he wants us to consider our ways. And if there's something in us that needs to change, that we're willing to change it to align ourselves with God and his plan for our life. And we know to align ourselves with him, we've got to go back to what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33. We've got to seek first his kingdom, his kingdom and his righteousness. Amen. Now, we know that his righteousness has been granted and given unto us. 
uh, by his, and through his son Jesus Christ, for he who knew no sin became sin, took sin, so that we who were in sin might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But we've got to be committed to the, advancing the kingdom of God. That's his way of doing things. So we've, we've got to unlearn some stuff. We've got to bring discipline in to change some of our ways. We've got to consider our ways. A lot of people think, I just want to go to church, and because I go to church, God's going to just stamp approved and let all the blessings flow. God says, I have a way, and I want you to walk in that way. So that's, as we look at these simple steps, they come uh, in walking in that way. So let's look at these simple steps. The first one is very, very evident through the Scripture and how to get the law of reciprocity working is you have to give. And you can't say God is just this greedy God that wants something from me. No, for God so loved the world that he gave. He's the first one that gave. When we were in sin, he gave his son to come and take our sin away from us and to give us righteousness so that we could participate in the covenant blessings. He has given us not only a covenant, but the best covenant, the best covenant that will ever be written, he has given to us in and through his son, Jesus Christ. He has given us everything that we need for life and everything that we need for eternity. God is a giver, and he says, this is my way. This is my heart. This is who I am. And, and if you're going to participate in my kingdom of heaven on earth, you got to participate from the heart that I participate from. you got to be a giver. you got to give. And that's very, uh, uh, very important because if we don't, and you think, well, God's just going to, you know, he's going to, by covenant, responsibility, or duty, he's going to get me out of where I'm at, you need to consider your ways. I remember Pastor Radika and I, and I've told this story before, we, before Townsend was born, we were uh, in uh, like $120,000 consumer debt. I started this church and I didn't have any support and I didn't have a group. I didn't have givers and I'm starting it as a regent student and got regent students helping me and regent students are brokered in dirt and uh, <laughs> they're brokered than the Ten Commandments, you know. And uh, so we, we were starting this church here and they were helping me out and they needed money rather than help and give money. So you know, we needed a roof, we needed ACs, we needed heaters, we needed to renovate the whole inside the building as the animals had really destroyed it and age and time and all had messed it up. And, you know, it's just, there was, there was sewer had to be hooked up, the, the water had to be hooked up because we were on an old well and an old uh, septic tank that we were having to dip it out with a bucket to get it low enough so that church folks could come and flush the toilets for that service. And, you know, we had to, you know, that was against the law. We had to fix that. So, uh, it just got more and more and more and more. And, uh, and I was giving, but I was giving more out of duty. You know, it's like, God, you sent me here. This is my assignment. And if I've got to work in the chain, you know, the chain, what is it called? Chain gang, you know, for, for you, I'll work in the chain. I had the wrong mindset. I wasn't ushering in the provision of God, but I was giving. And, uh, and uh, we've gotten $120,000 in debt, and I got this revelation. Uh, Pastor Dick and I got, we were starting to get this revelation and we looked at each other as we were making a trip back home uh, and we were wanting to have a baby and we're like, we're not going to let our firstborn be born in debt. Now we're saying this by faith. We're $120,000 in debt. I think I'm making maybe $200 a week if the checks could clear. Sometimes I had to bank them up before I could even deposit them. And uh, so I'm three years into the ministry and I'm finally getting $200 a week if it'll go through. And so it's like, how in the world are you going to combat this debt with that, but we got the revelation that we we're going to participate with what God's already got in a flow. And uh, so we said, we know it's to give. And we've been given a lot, but we haven't been given with the right heart. 
So she and I said, we're going to start giving in, in faith. We're going to start giving with anticipation to see the miracle manifest of God as we tap into his giving heart and his giving nature. And, and, and all this stuff's going to be added unto us. We're living in this termite-infested home, and, and it, is, it is falling apart, and everything is, go, everything is falling apart. But God, this isn't God's plan. And she agreed with me and I agreed with her that we were going to start giving even more just to punch the devil in the nose and we were going to give it in faith and we were going to give it joyfully and cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. And when we shared this originally with the church many, what, 21, 22 years ago, that's when everybody says we're going to start clapping when we say it's time to bring our tithes and offerings because God loves a cheerful giver. Not, so I was given out of duty, but I began to give cheerfully. Hallelujah. And I tell you, when Townsend was born, November the 1st, 1997, he was born into a debt-free home that very year. Actually, God got us out of debt by uh, Pastor Radica's birthday on July 29th. So we had between July 29th and November the 1st, debt-free, uh, uh, expecting couple for this child. And our children have never been under that curse. I'm here to tell you, it's not because we were that smart. It's not because we're that good. But it's because God is that great. Hallelujah. And what God will do for one, He'll do for another. He's no respecter of persons. But you got to learn how to give. But you got to give cheerfully. you got to give in faith. you got to give because I'm seeing the... I'm giving to see the uh, covenant of God established on this earth. I want to be a part of these souls saved. I want to be a part of this ministry. I want to be a part of what God's doing around the world. I want to be a part. This isn't just to give to make me feel good. No, I'm giving into strategic ministry and strategic kingdom work because I want to participate in this kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And the next one then is you got to get very practical. You got to watch your spending. You got to set a budget. You can't go out here like James. He says you want to get rich so you can just, just spend it on all your pleasures. You got to be smart. You can't put God in the you know, position that, well, I'm just going to do this and God has to if he wants to show his covenant true. No. You got to learn to budget. And what that does, that discipline does, is our flesh. If you give your flesh everything it wants, it will want more and more. Do it with a child and see. You tell the child, I'm never going to tell my child no. There was one child the other day said, uh, you've never told another child who said, I've never had a spanking. And this other child said, you've never had a spanking? Like, that is no way. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm telling you whether to spank or not, but I tell you, the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child and a rod of correction will drive it far from him. So, you know, there is some you know, biblical legitimacy to a spanking, and I'm not talking about abuse, okay. But nonetheless, discipline is important. It is so important that we have to set a budget. Not that we shouldn't have or couldn't have, but we don't need to give ourselves everything we want when we want it. Because that will definitely cause an appetite to rise up that, wants, that begins to lust after that spirit of greed. And I love it that, that you, know, you, don't, you, can, you can have it, but it doesn't have you. And that's what a budget will show you. So you got to be careful not to over-spiritualize your financial situation and realize that there are some natural steps that you need to take to keep you from getting in to uh, some tough spots. And the key is having a simple budget that you regularly are, are spending less than you are earning. Amen? That's how budget should work. You spend less than you earn. And then you save and then you invest. So some people want to play now, but if you play now, you're going to pay later. 
There's some folks that just say, some people just want to play now, and they say, well, I'll play now and pray later, okay? But prayer without wisdom is not God's plan. And we need to be very practical about that. And credit cards are a perfect example of this. It has been statistically studied over and over that people pay more and spend more when they're using a credit card than when they're using cash. And uh, I encourage you to set boundaries for yourself. If you don't have discipline to use a credit card, uh, we, we use one. Our discipline is it's paid off every month and we earn points for travel on it so that every year our five family members can fly to the West Coast and visit our family there in, on the West Coast at no charge. And that has worked really well for us, but it's taken discipline to do that. Now, if you don't have that discipline, I'd say cut all your credit cards up. Maybe keep one in your vehicle for an emergency or something, but you just, let me tell you, you got to learn to budget. It's, 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 it's healthy. You could eat. Let's say you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't have a weight problem. I can eat anything I want. Well, let me tell you what. If you get a doctor to study the inside of your body, eating all and everything you want without any discipline, maybe you've got more damage on the inside of you than you're seeing with someone that maybe has it on the outside. So... We need to live disciplined lives. Uh, discipline is an important part of being a disciple. Somebody say yes. yes. And remember, a new dress or those shoes that you've always wanted is not, doesn't qualify as an emergency. You know, you save that credit card for an emergency. But the good thing is God wants to bless you, and you'll end up with the dress and the shoes anyway. He'll bless you with it. He just wants you to take control over that and be a good a steward of what he has given to us. Another step here is I want to show you how to get promoted and how to make it nearly impossible to ever be fired again. Uh, this, is, this is the path to promotion. And the first one is you got to be a servant. you got to say, you know, because in business, I'm talking about any business, service is the key. We have business owners here tonight, and we have those of you who work in strategic areas that help support business. And you know that service is the key. If you outdo your competition in service and cleanliness and helpfulness and with a good attitude, it, you'll be hard. they won't get rid of you. I guarantee you, they're not going to get rid of you. Which leads to the, 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 the so you've got to be a servant. You've got to have a great attitude. You, gotta, you, you know what? Chick-fil-A is known for, man, they do everything but get in the car and hug you. You know, I love going to Chick-fil-A. Pastor Deke and I stopped at another fast food. We were in a quick fix and uh, uh, hospital to hospital and everything. We said, let's just get some. I think it was just a drink or something. And we ran through a, a, a fast food, fast food uh, drive through that we probably would never do. But we'd, and the lady was so kind and clear and well-spoken with that machine that usually goes, <laughs> and you don't know what they said. But it, we could understand it. And we said, yes. She said, oh, thank you so much for choosing us this evening. I'll meet you at the window. And we got to the window. I said, I want to know who she is. I want her in our church. I want her to be on the greeting team. I'm ready to hire her. I'm like, man, this, wow. We got there and she treated us so nice and she was so complimentary and so kind. I said to Pastor Radika, I said, we don't really eat this food, but I want to come back here. I said, that was the, the, one of the best experiences in a drive-thru I've ever had in my life. And, um, and my family knows I hate drive-thrus. I'll usually pull in and say, yeah, I'll go in there if you need something because... It just, it just, it's a, it's a stressful moment for me, but that was so good. But you have a great attitude, an attitude of genuine happiness and, and commitment and positive thinking is always on demand, always. Then watch your words. 
You got to discipline not only your funds, you got to discipline not only your eating, but you got to discipline what comes out of your mouth. Do you know what I'm saying? Because life and death is in the power of the tongue and blessing and cursing is in the power of the tongue. And if you're not careful and you don't discipline that tongue, you're releasing curses on your work. You're releasing, releasing curses on your, your business or on the company you're working for. You're releasing uh, a death on your job there. And you don't even realize it. You're like, why did this fall apart? Why did I get fired? Why did it, because maybe it was some of the, the curses you released with your words. And then never complain. Never complain. When you work for someone, be solution-centered, not problem-focused. I've been an employer for many, many years, and it still to this day makes a, a meanness rise up in me. It causes me to have to pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, that's not a bad thing, but it lets me know there's still some flesh tries to get up in me where someone wants to bring me to problem. They want to bring me to problem. Now, if it's a problem that's outside of their scope, then I need to know what the problem is. But they're telling me the problem. And they maybe have already made the solution for it, but they got to tell me the problem just to tell me how great they are. Let me tell you what. I know how great you are when I don't have to deal with the problem. I don't have to hear about the problem. I don't have to face that. So, so be solution-centered, not problem-focused. And you don't have to, if you're in the covenant of God, you don't have to puff yourself up to your employer. You don't have to say, oh, you had this bad problem and because of the way you've been running the company and because of this and that and the other, and now I've come in here to be the hero. That's not helping you, I can promise you. That's not. Even though you may have helped them, they don't like your attitude. And because they don't like your attitude, they would uh, find any opportunity they can to dehire you rather than promote you. So uh, never complain. Be diligent, uh, fast, and efficient. Wow, lazy people will always be out of work. Man, I, I, I'm 53, and I get around teenagers, and, and I'm running ahead of them. They say, we can't keep up with you. And I say, come on. Man, you guys are just starting out in life. Man, there's so much to do. There's greatness in the world. There's things, uh, to, experiences to have. Don't be that old sloth. Don't be the, you know, the thing that takes you 10 minutes to move from here to here. No, that's happened. How many of you would want me to get up here and preach like that? Well, good evening. <laughs> the Lord is good. You guys say, you sleep through that one and then you'd make an excuse not to come back the next time and I don't blame you. Man, I get up here. You'll sign the music ends. What do I do? I've done it now for 26 years. Hallelujah. And I'm going to do it when I'm 90. Hallelujah. I've run up these steps. Hallelujah. Because I, I'm here. I'm working and serving the, for the Lord and serving the Lord. And I'm here to serve you. I'm not here. To, this is not a burden to me. This is a blessing to me. Hallelujah. So, so you got to be diligent. you got to be fast. you got to be efficient. If you're doing something and it takes too long, don't have the, the employer come in and retrain you to make it quicker. If there's a better way, fix it. Fix it. And don't go and brag about it. Well, your old system here, it was just a little slow. No, fix it. He'll recognize it. She'll recognize it. I promise you. And then keep your word. Never lie. Never lie. Every company wants people that they can trust. And if they can catch you in a lie or a half lie, white lie is the world wants you to call it, which there is no such thing. 
um, then there's that distrust. And let me tell you what, we, when that's broken, it's hard to regain it. It's hard to get your trust back. So you just be honest, but tell the truth in love, but don't lie. Then number four, you need to reevaluate your savings and investments. Some steps to prosperity here. You know, God told us out of Ecclesiastes 11, verses 1 through 6, and you can read that on your own, but it basically sums up you need to diversify. If you look at my Facebook post, my, my, my main page picture, there's you know, all these streams and uh, falls and fountains flowing. And I was trying to find something that when I got this revelation years ago, that, that there should be many streams. That, you know, as the Lord showed me, He said, look at the ocean. I looked at the ocean. And He showed me in the Spirit how the water was being evaporated up into the clouds and how the wind of God blew the clouds into the mountains and how the, over the mountains the rain would come down. And then it would flow into these little brooks and then these little streams and then these uh, rapids and then it would flow into waterfalls and then it would come in all into rivers and these rivers would come back to the ocean. He says, that's how I'm going to make you wealthy. And I said, yes, Lord. It was exciting. And he said, do you want to know why? And I said, yes, Lord. He said, so you'll never look at that river. You'll never look at that waterfall. You'll never look at that stream and never be tempted that that's your God. That's your source. That's your provider. You will always look at the God that evaporates and causes it all to come back to you. You will always trust me. Hallelujah. So I learned very early on that, I, I, Lord, help me to make uh, and with wisdom from you to have streams of income that would come in. And some of them are little trickly things and this, but you're not, you're not so dependent on that one thing because that one thing will become a God to you. It, it, the temptation that you'll want to be fretful and worried and, oh, it's going down. I'm losing everything. Oh, it's going up. I have everything. God said, no, I want you to look to me. I am the God of prosperity. Hallelujah. So I just say unto you, uh, let the Lord show you, but don't get caught up in these get quick rich schemes that we've looked at Proverbs over and over and over. That's not the way of God. Jesus said in Matthew 25 and 21, if you're faithful in the small things, if you're faithful with the little things, I'll put you in charge of much. Hallelujah. And then number five, if you have a job, keep your resume current. Keep your resume current. You stay current. Looking into starting an honest and legitimate business helps you. All of this helps you when you keep your resume current. You see what your skills that you've learned, the skill level that you've gone, because from where you were first and hired to now, there's a lot of stuff that's being added. And as you keep your resume current, it's helping you see, and I guarantee the Spirit of the Lord will show you, well, you can use this with this here and have a little stream of income coming in here. You can, you can tap into this. You can help somebody in this area. So it helps to stay current because if we're not careful, the enemy will cloud our minds and we'll always stay in the dark thinking that we're right back, right back where we first started in the workforce. You're growing and that what you're growing and learning and doing, God can use for many other things. And then finally... I want to give you some financial secrets from John the Baptist. Financial secrets from John the Baptist found in Luke 3, 11 through 4. And uh, let me just really bullet point these and then we're going to close because somebody's speeding up this clock. I'm telling you, that thing is going fast. Wow. Okay, here they are. Start every business or every year of your life by giving something away. He says in Luke 3 and 11, John replied, if you have two coats, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. 
You've got to, you've got to connect. You've got to, you've got to dive into the flow of God's design of prosperity. And it's not get, it's give. It gives. So John the Baptist said, you've got to start by giving something away. Number two, you've got to take advantage of, uh, never take advantage of a person's uh, vulnerability or misfortune. Never. You come alongside the broken and you help them. Never take advantage of them. He said, even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He says, show your honesty, he replied, because they were in a position, they were taking advantage of people's vulnerability. He says, show your honesty, make sure you collect no more taxes than the Roman government requires you to. Don't take advantage. So you've got to take that principle that you never take advantage of someone's vulnerability. You may be in a position that you could skim a little here and skim a little there and they would never know or you're, you're, you're taking advantage of them. But let me tell you why. That is going to get you tapped out of the, the covenant of, of prosperity rather than tapped into. Remember, your source is not this money. Your source is God, supernaturally, blessing what you put your hands to. So you got to stay in his flow. And he says, don't take advantage of those less, less fortunate. Number three, do not pressure people for a sale or make decisions out of desperate or financial struggle. He says, uh, what should we do? They asked John, he said, uh, don't exhort money. Don't exhort money. Don't pressure people. Because I've seen people before, oh, if I don't make this sale, I'm not going to make my house payment. I've got to make this sale. And they just, they just, they, they just, they get ugly about it, you know, and manipulative about it and pressuring you on it. And, uh, you know, telling you, well, you, you better make the decision before sundown. If you don't make it before sundown, you're going to lose this. This is the best, this is the best offer you'll ever find on planet Earth. And maybe there's a better offer right next door, but they're just pressuring you, pressuring you. Uh, the Bible says don't do that. And then number four, never accuse or criticize employers or employees or your competition falsely. You don't put other people down and say things uh, that's not true about them to try and step on them to get a sale or get ahead financially. You don't do that because you're, stepping, you're tapping out of the divine flow of God. And then finally, you got to be thankful for your wages. Stop whining and complaining about what's coming in now because you're releasing curses on it. You say, well, I'm only getting $500 a month. Don't curse to 500. 500 needs a blessing on it. It needs a blessing. It don't need a curse on it. It needs a blessing on it. And when you're not thankful for what's coming in, you remember Jesus took a little boy's lunch and he could have, he could have cursed it and said, you mean this is all out of you 5,000 men and all you women and you children, nobody else packed a lunch? Where's the bread, bread baskets? What is wrong with you? No. He took it and he gave thanks. You know what the Bible said? And when he gave thanks, it, he tapped into what I'm talking about. He tapped into, he showed us how to tap into the miracle manifest of El Shaddai. And what had, no man could ever do, God did in the natural. And there was enough fish and bread to feed 20 plus thousand people and have 12 basketfuls left over. And as they carried them, I believe they're hearing in their spirit, my name is El Shaddai. El Shaddai, I'm God more than enough. You carrying home the, the excess because I am El Shaddai. I'm the God of more than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I've just given you six simple steps to prosperity. And, uh, and, and these are, if you go back to that steps uh, slide that has the steps going up, then we'll, we'll close out on that. That helped people uh, with that.
giving, budgeting, promotion, streams of income, stay current, and biblical wisdom that I guarantee you will help you stay connected to the covenant of God's prosperity for your life. And you'll give him all the glory and the honor because you'll say it was only by God. It was only by God. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Thank you guys for your patience tonight. Wow. I don't know how, but I just, I break, when I go into review, I go into a longer review than I think. So maybe next time we'll all be studied up and we'll just pick up and go to the next one. But thank you for your patience. I know it's a school night. We just want to pray God's blessings on you and the Holy Spirit would help seal the truth of God's word in your mind and in your hearts that you might leave here tonight to walk it out. Not just, not just be hearers of God's word, but to be doers of his word and to walk it out for his glory and for the establishment of his kingdom here on this earth. Father God, we thank you. We praise you. We bless you. Thank you, Lord, that you care about every area of our life, even the finances. And Lord, I'm so glad you do because that's the one area that every one of us have in common as we have need of resources to live in this world. Lord God, I pray that you would raise men and women up out of that mindset and that lack of knowledge of your word that has held them bondage to the curse of poverty and that they would step into by faith this night. They would step into by faith this very moment the, the covenant of prosperity that you provided through the atonement. Lord, you made a divine exchange. And Lord, we want to we wanna walk in the fullness of everything you provided in and through your son, Jesus Christ. First and foremost, our salvation. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving your life. Father God, thank you for loving us so much you gave your only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. I pray tonight, God, that every person under the sound of my voice would make expression of their, by faith of their belief in you, Jesus Christ. That we would declare, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. I pray that every person under the sound of my voice, Lord God, would make that declaration from their heart through their mouth. Jesus, Jesus, I surrender all to you. You are my Lord and my Savior. Hallelujah. Lord, that we would commit our hearts to you, Lord God. Show us by your spirit of any ill will. Show us by your spirit of any sin. Show us by your spirit, Lord God. Just illuminate in our heart and our minds anything that is unpleasing in us, Lord God. Because our commitment is to repent. Our commitment is to see it, repent, turn and change our ways and change our minds to align ourselves with you and your truth and your word and your way. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you again for this great opportunity to teach your word. Lord, I'm just so humbled, so humbled, Lord, to be able to stand and to share these divine truths that will liberate your sons and daughters and prepare them to walk in the power that you provided. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you would seal these truths upon our hearts and our minds and that we would walk them out in such a way to advance your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. If you appreciate the Lord, come on, put your hands together.
Give somebody a big hug, a high five. Bless one another as you go in Jesus' name. Amen.